This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode four, and we're recording on Friday, May 31st. I'm Jeff O'Neill, and I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're the editors of Book Riot. Rebecca, how sweaty are you right now? So sweaty. We're I'm so sweaty. We're both together in New York recording this in the non-standard setup, so it's a little awkward here, but hopefully it sounds fine. We're in the same room, same which is room. a thing we never do. We're within like 24 inches of each it's other. It's like 90 degrees at 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. We're pretty uncomfortable, but we're happy to be here. You guys are all doing well. We're in New York for, why are we in New York? For Book Expo America. So for those of you who don't know what that is, it is the largest North American trade show yeah. for books. Maybe one of, one of the one largest, of the, the yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Frankfurt is I think the bigger. Frankfurt is the big one. Those Germans, uh, you can't uh, sleep on them. So that's where we're here. We're going, having meetings, talking to people about books, um, seeing what's coming out in the next. I guess really through next summer, there's books yeah. that they're kind of talking about here. So the first thing we're going to do is just talk about interesting things we've seen so far. Uh, Rebecca, how about you? What do you What are you interested in that you've seen so far? Book, otherwise, mm. uh, the Lion Seeker. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, I know nothing so, about it. Uh, I don't know much about it, but in our Riot Roundup at the end of last month, Jen Northington said that it was the best book that she had read that month. Um, it's by Kenneth Bonert. It's coming out in October from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Uh, and it's an immigrant saga that follows a family through several generations. Um, lots of big posters about this book around Book Expo, which like, I think that's an interesting thing is you can walk right in the door of the Javits Center and you know which books the publishers care the most about based on what the huge banners are for. So I'm hearing lots about The Lion Seeker. I'm excited about that. Yeah, and on the same sort of point, the the um, one of the big books being advertised too is a debut novel that actually Harlequin is publishing, but it's not romance. I don't even know Harlequin did not. Yeah, I don't. Romance. I don't even know. I need to talk to them and figure out what the story is. But um, it's a speculative fiction, I guess, is what I would call it. It looks like the blurb is the sort of story is people who have been dead are coming back to life, mm. but they're not zombies. They're just sort of back. Oh, and they're that's called creepy. Yeah, they're called the returned. Is sort of uh-huh. what the um, and it looks like the book deals with the fallout of what happens when a bunch of people that were dead not aren't anymore. That's um, a thought experiment. Yeah, the author's name is Jason Mott, and it comes out this fall. And uh, that should be really interesting to see. I, I don't know what to call it, so we'll, we'll, that's yeah, what I'm we'll paying see. attention to. I'll get the next one, too. One that I'm looking forward to, um, Paul Harding's follow-up to his um, Pulitzer Prize-winning Tinkers is coming out called Enon, I guess is how you say it, E-N-O-N. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that it's it's not a sequel to Tinker's, because if you read Tinker's, that would be weird, but uh, a companion, prequel, sidequel kind of thing. Like a meanwhile? Yeah, or, yeah maybe meanwhile. I'm not really sure mm-hmm. uh, exactly how it's going to go, but kind of how home was to Gilead is my oh, yeah, understanding. Yeah, okay. Like maybe a different character's side of the story mm-hmm. or something like that. So that's what I'm looking that's I'm looking forward to too. Um, some of the ones people are talking about, Night Film by Marissa Pessel. Marisha? Marisha Pessel. Marisha Pessel. Uh, her first book, um, The Special Topics of Clam Special Topics in, in Calamity, Calamity Physics, Physics came out three or four years ago. Oh, right? wow. Yeah, it's kinda of, but um, her book is coming out in the fall, and a lot of people are talking about yeah. that. And we know people who've read it 
already yes. and are like and freaking it. out about and it. And there is a new Neil Gaiman book coming yes. out in June, yeah. June 18th, called The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Well, that's the one everyone wants. And that's no one can the get. one everybody wants. There's yeah. a Neil Gaiman event uh, tomorrow, Saturday this week, at the Javits Center, and they're going to give away free copies of the book to the first 500 people, which tells you how many they expect to be at this yeah, thing, the right. first 500. I mean, some of the other names you're going to hear about if you pay attention to books, sort of even in a passive way. There's the new Veronica Roth, Allegiant, the third in that series mm-hmm. coming out. In Big dis- banner for that huge. one. Huge. I mean, that's that's like pop culture that exceeds mm-hmm. the world of books. Um, uh, Amy Tan has a new book coming out. This book called The Fifth Wave by Rick Yancey. Yeah, everybody's mad about The Fifth Wave. That's like a straight up YA dystopian mm-hmm. thing I'm, I'm hearing, but everyone's loving that. Um, Jonathan Lethem has a new book coming out, Dissident Gardens in the fall. People in Brooklyn having thoughts. It's just all people in Brooklyn, Outer Boroughs, Thinky, Chuck T's, uh, everything else. Let me see what else I got here. Here's one that I, you know, just talking to people, one that I thought was interesting. It's a debut novel by a guy who's actually an architect, um, Charles Belfour. The name of the book is The Paris Architect. Uh, I live with an architect, so I'm interested in these sorts of things. It's a novel set during World War II, and basically this... um, architect is com- com- gets a commission from a wealthy industrialist and he doesn't really know what it's about but um turns out it's a commission to build hiding places for Jews oh. in buildings around in and around Paris um in the days leading up to the invasion and maybe after I'm not really sure so Charles Belfort is actually an architect and he's bringing some actual architecture knowledge to this sort of where can we put people and how yeah. would it actually work? So oh, that's interesting. Another spin on, you know, I'm a sucker for these World War II books. I think everyone else is as well. Yeah, that's, but that's a pretty cool twist yeah, on it. Yeah, the other one I heard about yesterday that I'm really looking forward just to seeing how it gets, how it shakes out is called Quiet Dell by Jane Ann Phillips. And it will be coming out from Simon & Schuster in October. And it's, the, it's based on a true story of a man who preyed on widows with children and you know, got them to fall in love with him and run away with them and then took everything that they had. And so she's done incredible research for this book. And only four of the characters in the whole novel are invented. And one of them is the newspaper woman who sort of cracks the story on this guy who serially uh, seduces women uh, who are widows and takes everything from them. And it sounds like it's just very dark and twisty and that good, heavily researched historical fiction, but that should really be fun to read. Yeah, there's a new Juba uh, Lahiri book coming out this fall, too, that everyone's excited about. You'll hear, be hearing more about that. Longborn by Joe Baker, which is Pride and Prejudice told from the point of view of the servants, uh, is going to be a big book. I think a lot of people are going to be, be interested in that. I myself am personally interested. Jasmine Ward, who won the Pulitzer Prize um, in fiction for um, Salvage the Bones, um, has a memoir coming out from Bloomsbury, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, Little Cat by Tamara Faith Berger is coming from Coach House Books. Uh, it's coming June 4th, so it's next week, and it is a dirty, dirty book. If you can think about uh, what uh, words related to cat might be. <laughs> I, I'm, can, cat. You, can you elaborate? Words I'm not really related sure. to cat and the female, Feline, female uh, anatomy. Right. Uh, so there are galleys of this. You can like flip it open to any page and find something that will make you blush as you read it, as I discovered yesterday. I'm blushing um, right now. And one, yeah, because normally we don't have to sit next to each <laughs> other when we talk about these things. Uh, one of the giveaway items that they're doing in promotion of this book is a little, there's little paper fortune tellers like you fold up when you're in fourth grade. Right. Uh, but all of the flaps have really filthy things written oh, inside boy. them. Uh, two quick nonfiction things for you nonfiction fans. Um, fake book 
um, this guy who created a fake, no, it was a real, it was really his Facebook profile, but he faked a cross-country walk from coast to coast and photoshopped him in himself into a bunch of places, but he actually didn't go anywhere. Um, and That's it's a, so interesting. It's the story of how he did it. And actually, apparently, it inspired a few of his friends to quit their jobs and actually do it. Oh. Um, so he's writing this book about how he did it, why he did it, and what happened. Um, so he faked the trip, but his friends faked, actually did yeah, the trip. Some were inspired to actually go do it. That's crazy. So that's called Fake Book. Um, one that you book nerds out there, and if you're listening to this, I mean, be honest with yourself. Um, well Read Women by Samantha Hahn. Mm. It's about literary women who themselves are big readers. So um, that's coming from Chronicle this fall as well. So check that one out. I guess that's nonfiction about yeah, fiction, which is fiction. I don't know. It's weird. I can't find the title of it right now, but Doris Kearns Goodwin, the great historian. Who right. Yeah. I saw her. She was signing books. Yeah. The line was she huge. has a new book coming that is a history of journalism. Ah, Okay. Cool. And then the last of the Glenn Duncan werewolf books. Uh, the Last called, Werewolf and Tallulah Rising. Yeah, the first yeah. two in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And By Blood We Live is coming out, I think, after the first of the year mm-hmm. that's coming out. So if you like those books, um, the, look for the third one. And if you didn't, and if you like sexy time werewolf, werewolf literary fiction. I mean, and who doesn't? Yeah, what was the first one of those? I can't the remember. The first one was called The Last Werewolf. The Last Werewolf. Yeah, start there, and then you've got, you can, you've got some time to catch up. Yeah, and if, oh, if you love a narrator who drops a lot of literary references. Oh, too, oh really? I didn't he's know that. A, oh. He's the last werewolf left, so he's like 300 years old, and when you're that old, you've read all the books. Wait, werewolves are old? They, they live a long Not time? Not as long as vampires, but they live a long time. I need a flowchart for who lives <laughs> so long. Well, this werewolf lived a long time, and he evaded the global anti-werewolf no. hunting them down group. Uh, so he's read all the books. Yeah, right. And his name is Marlowe. Oh, come on. Right, all yeah. Right. All right, well, that's, and believe it or not, that was after one day at BEA, and we still got two more to go. Um, but I think we sort of saw most of the big titles. Who mm-hmm. knows uh, if we have more stuff to tell you about what's about next week. Let's do yeah. the first sponsor. I'll do this one. All right. I just love it when you talk about I, I, signature I, botanicals. I know, it's, it's my, but I tell you what, today is a on the porch with a G&T day. That's true. And if you are doing that, you might consider Nolet Silver Dry Gin. Uh, modern gin, it's a floral gin, Turkish rose, but also some fruit, peach, raspberry flavor. So if you are interested in try it, see if you can pick those out from the folks at Nolet's, who also um, make Kettle One Vodka. So most of you have probably at least seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys have been making uh, spirit, distilling spirits for 300 years, small batches, um, and uh, it's, you know, if, if you're not a huge gin fan from what you normally have had, you might consider trying this. It's a modern kind of gin. I think will surprise you with what gin can do. So check that out at facebook.com slash gins. And if you are having a few G&Ts, make sure you stay at home or get someone else to drive you wherever you go because you'll be drinking responsibly wherever you are. So that, God, that sounds that. good, right? It does, but, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go straight from iced coffee into something with gin. I know. If it wasn't today. 1045, I'd make us something with an umbrella in it right now. So. Mm. All right, let's go to the next story. What's next? All right, next story. Uh, so Borders, you know, went out of business Pour out a 40 for the Borders. Pour in a 40. I'm not using my Nolet Silver Dry <laughs> <laughs> for Borders. I'm not that sad about Borders. Uh, but last week, a U.S. district court ruled that all remaining Borders gift cards are worthless. Like, that 
if you have one, that somehow you're a person who received a gift card for a book and you never went and bought your book. You're up a creek. Maybe you're a were- werewolf and you think you've got some time. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, but there are apparently 17.7 million people who have outstanding Borders gift cards, and those were worth $210 million. Man, oh man. That's, a tough br- I, that's a tough break. That's a tough it break. It is a tough You get a break. gift card, the thing goes out of business, you're up shit. Moral break. of the story yeah. is you should use your gift card. <laughs> As soon as you get it. I just, just, uh, gift cards for me are like potato chips. You know, I have them, they're gone yep. within Absolutely. You know, minutes of time. So. Uh, but our friend at the Digital Reader did a fun post that will drop into uh, the show notes here for 13 other things that you might use your unused Borders gift My cards My sense for. is you're not going to get uh, much on the dollar per use of that. So. Uh, yeah, but you can cut them into ninja stars. <laughs> oh, that's true. Which you is one of the that. items on this Maybe list. Maybe you could throw them at, uh, you know, indie booksellers. Jimmy Alok. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say Jimmy a lot. That's fun. Uh, okay, so yeah, I hope you didn't have a Borders gift card. But if you did, you know, better luck next time. Uh, another story, a uh, listener, Michael Pickett, sent in um, his project. He heard us talking about Book Book Goose last time, bookbookgoose.com, and he said, you know, I have a project you guys might be interested in. So I looked at it, and I am interested. It's called the Lit Map Project, litmapproject.com. And basically what he's doing and having people help him do is map the real-world locations of things that happen in fiction. So if you go to litmapproject.com, the first thing you see is a huge map um, with a bunch of pins in it. You know, you've, you mm-hmm. know what this looks like online now. And you can zoom in and see, you know, you can see what happened um, in the particular Bloomsbury neighborhood of Mrs. Dalloway. You can see where things that happen and things fall apart in Africa happened. You can see where things in Australia are happening in Peter Carey novels. You can submit. Mm-hmm. Um, spots where you, if you know a particular author's work really well and you, haven't, you don't see it on there, you can drop a pin in there and say what happens. And I think it's a pretty cool, it's fun to browse. You can zoom in and zoom out. Um, this is one thing we have, we, people ask us a lot is, tell me about something set in X. Mm-hmm. And if this was really robust, and maybe someday, hopefully it will, will be, we could just use this and sort of say, oh yeah, let me take a look at that for you. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Small Demons is great for that too. I think yeah. these projects are complementary of each other. If you don't know smalldemons.com, they aggregate the people, places, and things in fiction. So you could look up uh, books that mention Coca-Cola, books that mention Nolette's Silver Dry Gin. Oh, I'm sure there's a bunch of them. And uh, they will churn out the books that mention those, or you can you know go the other way and pick a book, and then it will give you all of the pop culture references that are in that book. The more Akami ones are really fun to look at. Uh, that's it's just a great rabbit hole to go down into. I don't really know what to use it for right, in yeah. a work sense yet, but it's really fun. Yeah, that's cool. So if you if you're the kind of person that likes to do that kind of thing, you have a favorite book, you have a favorite location. Say you're going on a trip this summer. Um, I always like to read um, books set in places I'm going. Mm-hmm. So if you're headed somewhere, you can use this and see what's there. Um, and find out if there's something you want to read. So that's cool. Thanks, Michael, for sending that in. Check that out. If you've got something cool that you think other people should know about or you think we should talk about, podcast at bookriot.com, and we will see it. And that one was litmapproject.com. Yeah, okay. What's Oh, new releases. New releases. They've got new books this week. Do you want your book released this week? Well, I mean, most people who read books are not at Book Expo this That's a good point. We're, We're in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, but the ones that I'm talking about this week are ones that we've been hearing about. 
in books for a while now, The Sun by Philip Meyer. It's a multi-generational saga of a Texas family that is taking over Comanche land in the 1800s and building that into a sort of, I think it's a there will be blood sort of situation. Uh, okay, gotcha. Uh, through the 1900s and into the 20th century. Uh, his first book, American Rust. I don't know if you read American Rust. No, I didn't. I wanted to, and I never, you know, is this, whatever. It's this great portrait of a dying town in the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. And these two men who narrate in stream of consciousness, but this sort of a falling down part of the world. And Philip uh, Meyer does this incredibly well. I'm really excited to pick up The Sun. Cool. Amanda Nelson, one of our contributors, picked that as her best read of last month. All right. Um, not going to be an uplifting book, but a fun one <laughs> to, to read. All right, yeah, good. Uh, there's Elliot Holt's debut novel, You Are One of Them. Uh, it's about two young girls who are best friends in the 80s who are scared by all of the Cold War stuff that's going on, and they both write letters uh, to the Kremlin requesting peace, and only one of them gets a response and gets invited to go to the Kremlin and then becomes a press sensation. Her best friend, is the other friend, is left behind and never forgives the friend for leaving her. The book picks up after they, when they reunite after 10 years. Wow, weird. Um, so okay. friendship, I had no idea that's what that was. Okay, yeah. I'm completely shocked. Friendship and global politics. Communists. And com- yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, grudges. Everything you yeah. love. Uh, but... I've been hearing about this one for close to a year now. So a big, buzzy debut novel. Um, And then this is just a personal fun pick for me is American Savage by Dan Savage, who writes about sex and relationships and marriage and politics and the intercept, like the Venn diagrams of all of those things. Uh, Does great columns, and he's written a few books before, but this is a new collection of essays and I think some previously published work on those topics. So if you are into that sex, culture, politics thing. Cool. All right. So while we're on it, let's do birthdays, and we'll come back to we got yeah. this other thing. Birthdays, uh, two big, well, there's actually kind of, kind of a lot of birthdays first week of June, it turned out, but I'm going to just pick out two for you. Uh, first, Thomas Hardy, born June 2nd, 1840 in Dorset, England, wrote Jude the Obscure, Far from the Madding Crowd, Tess of the Ubervilles. Um, so here's an interesting one. Um, he was married twice. His first wife, and kind of the love of his life, mm-hmm. died. Um, and he was remarried, and um, his estate wanted to bury him in Westminster Abbey. Mm-hmm. But he and his family wanted him to be buried with his first wife in his hometown. Dish to the second wife. Well, I think she knew the story okay. of what's going on. But so how do you solve that problem? You cut him up. You bury his heart. Is that for real? That's what they, they did. did. They cut it. They they took out his heart and they buried his heart with his first wife uh-huh. in Dorset, and the rest of him is in Westminster Abbey. That is creepy, but also sort of rad. Yeah, I don't. I you know they used to do stuff like this. They used to do yeah. stuff like this. They cut pieces. You know, like a saint. They cut you up and they sent but you here. They sent you there. It's. I feel like that's the King Solomon dilemma. Like you're supposed to offer to cut <laughs> right, the guy right. up, and then everyone is supposed to say no. Yeah, no one says no. <laughs> well, Emma, his first wife didn't have. She didn't have much of a say. Yeah, she was just lying true. there. Um, in Westminster Abbey, I mean, you could just you could put his hand there, his writing hand in Westminster Abbey. I don't know. That's kind of so. That's Thomas Hardy, June June second, eighteen forty. Second one, Allen Ginsberg, beat poet, author of Howl, Kaddish, and a bunch of other beat poems. Um, what I was reading about him and looking for a um, uh, looking for um, something to say about Allen Ginsberg, and so uh, what I found was. At the end of his life, he's sort of dying for several months, mm-hmm. um, but coming in and out of um, consciousness. And uh, he, 
he knew he was going to die, so he went through his Rolodex and just called everybody that he knew and said goodbye. That's kind of great. And one of the people on that list was Johnny Depp. Really? Johnny Depp was in Allen Ginsberg Rolodex, and he felt compelled to say, hey, Johnny. Uh Bye, Johnny. (laughs) That's sort of of what happened. So, um, yeah, that's Allen Ginsberg. He was born June 3rd, 1926 in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I feel a little better about the world knowing this story now. Yeah. Like Alan Ginsberg called Johnny Depp. I, I was trying to think goodbye. of how they would, you know, they, you know, famous people just know each other, I guess. So That's how uh, it works. That's how it works. So that's Alan Ginsberg and Thomas Hardy, who were both born first week of June, uh, Thomas Hardy in 1840, and Alan Ginsberg, you know, 86 years later in Newark, New Jersey. Okay, the next one is you, online game stuff. Yeah. You said this is cool, and I didn't believe you, but it is you, have cool. to, you have to convince I promise. Me. Okay, so, I mean, the way things have gone with publishers trying to create, like, online games around fiction has been a, a really sad story up to this point. Right. Real sad. Uh, but Random House rolled out a game yesterday called The Black Crown, and I believe it's at theblackcrownproject.com, uh, where it's a, a an interactive fictional game where you're sort of writing the story, but you're also... Uh, like solving little problems as it goes along. It's hard to describe this. You guys should just check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. But I messed around with it yesterday afternoon um, in the press office at BEA with one of our friends from the Huffington Post, and we have concluded that it is cool. Uh, From the very first page, you're asked a bunch of questions to identify yourself as a user, the typical, like, how old are you? What's your gender? And the, the wording, the voice in those responses that you're offered to choose from is really, uh, like, sort of cheeky and dark, and you know right from the get-go that this is going to you know, be something a little weird, uh, but it looks like fun. I went through a couple of the steps of the pages yesterday, and I thought this is pretty cool. Oh, uh, you okay. can, I think, you can expect uh, a book riot look at it in the next week yeah, or two. We got a couple. We got to write about this. this we got a couple contributors that know their gaming better than certainly better than I know my oh, gaming. It's been a while, baby. Uh, but looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. And I'm just sort of happy to see a publisher do this in a way that doesn't suck. Yeah, text. Journals, maps, photographs. Um, you can go to blackcrownproject.com to learn more about it. And you have to sign in with Facebook or Twitter, is that right? Or can you do it just on its own, it looks like? Uh, it looks like you have to sign in with Facebook yeah, or Twitter. Right. Well, if you're not on one of those things, you're probably not super interested in online narrative. But uh, I hope it doesn't suck because we need some of these that don't suck. Yeah, It'd be cool it looks to see cool. some great ones. Um, so that's Black Crown Project, and it's from Random House. All right. We're going to have a shorter show tonight, uh, be- today, because we got stuff to do and, and we're sweating it's real and hot. real hot. But I got a quiz for Rebecca. This is like truly Jeff this, this teacher is, mode. I got, you can hear the paper. Um, so uh, in one of the uh, publications from BEA, there was an article about um, how many bookstores are in each state, and then it broke it down to bookstores per capita okay. by state. So how many bookstores there are for X number of people and then it ranked all the states plus the District of Columbia. So I, Rebecca knows nothing about this, and I thought it would be fun to quiz her. I was forbidden, forbidden to look at the list. Forbidden to look at the list. So let's see, how should we do this? Um, how about this? I, you know, I'm not going to ask you to guess what the number one and number okay. 51 is, but tell me one you think would be in the top five. Like what state do you think should be in the top? Ex- mm. Not should, that's, yeah. that's wrong. You would expect to be in the top five for number of bookstores per person. I think I would put New York in the top five if I had to guess. Would it surprise you if it was in the bottom three? It certainly would. Cer- New York City, no, excuse me, New York State, number 49 out of 51 Holy in bookstores cow. per capita. 
There are 505 bookstores in New York, but that means there's only one for every 38,753 people. Whoa. Surprise. Right, is your mind blown? A little bit. Yeah, see, that's what, the, that's what I was looking bit. for. Yeah, I mean, New York. It feels like New York is so literary, and there are... I guess it feels like also there are more independent bookstores here than in a lot of places, but there are so many more people that so that, that people. per capita thing is. Well, another story that was going on this week, speaking of that, was um, that an independent bookstore is going to open in Astoria, Astoria, I think it's Astoria, in Queens, New York, mm-hmm. one of the boroughs of New York, and it's going to be the only independent bookstore in mm-hmm. Queens. So that's wow. a couple million people with... Yeah. One okay. So store. I need a new strategy. You, you got to go. You got to go outside so I, the box. So I'm thinking places with few people. There you go. Okay. And now lots you're thinking of bookstores. Because this is not just bookstores per state. It's by, per state per, per, per capita, capita. Right. That per capita. New so, York is 505. So I think it's in the top five for number. So big places with not many people. Uh, a Dakota, North or South Dakota. Dakota. Let me see. People read books there. South right? Dakota, right in the middle. Okay. To number twenty-five with um, um, one bookstore for every twenty-one thousand people. Thirty-eight bookstores. Let me see. North. What about Utah? Utah. Let's see. Utah. Thirty-seven. Man, I'm not doing you're, well. You're, yeah, you're, you haven't got above twenty-five yet. Mm, Montana. Number one. Oh, for real? Number one. Montana. Montana has the most bookstores per person in America. They only have a million people, but they have sixty-four bookstores. So there's one for every 15,705. Where's Wyoming? Wyoming, two. For real? Wyoming, number two. This is crazy. Isn't it weird? I mean, I don't know how to explain How do we explain this? Well, I don't know, because I think of, like, you live in the middle of Montana, so if you're not close to a bookstore, you are, those are the people that I think are more likely to be ordering all their books online. I don't but, know. I don't know what to tell you, man. But they've I got a lot of bookstores. Really I, now I want to see a cluster map of where yeah, the people where the are and where the bookstores are, are in those I big, wide open. I think what you might have open. is a lot of smaller towns mm. that each have a can have a bookstore. It's sort of the opposite problem of New York, where you have right. a lot of bookstores, but there are people in such a density mm-hmm. that you only need, you know, one can support 110,000 yeah. people or something Well, like where's that. Kansas? We both grew up in Kansas. Kansas. Let's see how we uh, did. Number nine. Nice. Go Jayhawks. Good job, Kansas. Missouri, luckily, is right behind us at number 10. So where they belong. Where they belong, right behind Kansas. Let's see. What else is interesting? Let's so see. let me give you the top five states. Um, Montana, number one. Wyoming, Vermont, Alabama, Tennessee. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. This is interesting. So let's see. Um, so the big states... Let's see what else you expect. So California, let's do big states. California, number 46. California was 46. 46. What about Massachusetts? Massachusetts, hmm, 45. So population density, not good. That's kind of inversely proportional. That's interesting. Washington, D.C., interestingly, um, you know, dense, Mm -hmm. is number uh, 14. Well, and Virginia often shakes out as the on Amazon's list of the most well-read states, mm-hmm. Virginia often ranks really highly right. because Amazon defines well-read state as Those people who buy, people stuff who from buy the books. Right. And all of the politicians from everywhere and all of the lobbyists from everywhere are traveling, you right. know, spending time in D.C. and then leaving. But Virginia's right in the middle, 26. Yeah, that's interesting. 22,000. So the spread, so just so you know what the spread is, um, Montana, which has the uh, most bookstores per capita, has 15,705. And then New Jersey, bringing up the rear, has one bookstore for every 40,851 people. So almost, more than twice as many people huh. as a bookstore. Oh, and so a thing that you and I were trying to figure out last week, not right. on the show, but yeah, yeah, just, just wondering, offline. is where and what is the most profitable independent bookstore 
in the country. Yeah, which one makes the most money? Right. So we were talking about maybe the Hamptons. I was yeah. thinking maybe Books and Books in Miami. Yeah. Number three, I'm going Vermont is number three on so, here. Oh, yeah. Like somebody in Burlington, yeah, Vermont. Yeah, you know, vacations, yeah. winter, you know, something like North that. Northshire Books up there is really yeah. awesome. The South, I have to admit, and this is, shows my bias, turns out, Comes out pretty well here. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of bookstores lot of in Mississippi. Book Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas is number seven. Um, South Carolina is number mm. 15. Mississippi, number 16. West Virginia, number 17. Georgia, number 18. Um, so all the way. And then all of my blue state brethren here. <laughs> Washington, Michigan, California, Connecticut, Hawaii, New York, and New Jersey, they're all in the bottom 10. That's so, exactly the opposite of what that I That is the opposite so I, that's of what, what we would expect. You can tell why I wanted to shock yeah, you. That's, yes, thank you for shocking so, me. Any other states you're interested in? Oh, I don't know. I, if any of the listeners happen to have any knowledge or like a link to the list of profitable bookstores and where they're yeah, located, if we know to find that, podcast find at bookriot.com, yeah, let, let us know. know about that. Let me just see if there's anything else that's interesting here. Um, the bottom five, I don't think I read this. Where's Florida? Florida. Retirement, those people read a lot of books, right? 29, 29, I mean, that's Florida, what I'm going to do. Right oh, here's the, the most. California has the most okay, bookstores, book just stores? in raw numbers. Uh-huh. 1,185. That's a lot of bookstores. A lot of bookstores. Texas is second with 1,004. And then from there, it's the great state of New York. Oh, sorry, no, Florida. Yeah. 797. Okay. It goes right with population. Illinois, New York, um, then Ohio. Um, but, you know, um, total stores, the fewest, this is interesting, Rhode Island has 27, um, North Dakota has 27, D.C. has 34, Alaska has 40 bookstores for 7, 731 I mean, what else people. are you going to do when it's cold like that? I'm surprised Hawaii doesn't have more bookstores. They're number, they're number 48, hmm. 1.3 million people, but also a Buttload of tourists. I'm in a lot of outdoor life. Oh, though. that's what it is. You know what? It's too nice it's there. It's a lot of outdoor life. Our, Montana, Wyoming, Vermont. They're yeah. terrible in winter. You got to read. All you can do is yeah. learn and read. Our, one of our contributors, Greg Zimmerman, was just in Maui during Dan Brown Day. Yeah, and he's completely and he, forgot. He doesn't. He's not on the train. Yeah. Uh, no, no, he found a Barnes & Noble in Maui and went and bought the Dan Brown oh, book. Oh, really? But you have to go and find it. Yeah, but he had to go and find it. Um, I have been there, and I don't recall seeing any I've, If I lived in Hawaii, I'd never read again. Really? I think all I would, I would just lay by a pool with a gin and tonic oh, and that's read okay. all good, day long. Good. That's a really good point. Goodbye, Book Riot. Well, you know what? <laughs> if someone work. wants to do an experiment to see what I would actually do if I lived in Hawaii, um, we can figure out some sort of sponsorship arrangement. So. I'm willing to test this all out. All right. That's interesting. We like that. Uh, so good. Thanks for uh, humoring me with yeah, that quiz Yeah, that was there. a fun quiz. I think we should wrap up. We got yeah. stuff to go. We've been doing a few minutes, and uh, let's, let's wrap this puppy up. Mm-hmm. Puppy up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Jeff O'Neill. You can find me on Twitter at Reading Ape. And I'm Rebecca Shinsky, and you can find me on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Oh, you need to you get too many S's and C's. That thing's confusing. <laughs> uh, you can email us, podcast at bookriot.com. You can find the site, bookriot.com. Slash category slash podcast. Slash cat- oh, yeah. You can find show notes. Yeah. Uh, bookriot.com slash category slash podcast. Um, oh, we asked for reviews and ratings last time, and some of you did it. Thank you. So awesome. We're uh, still hanging out we're on still, iTunes. Yeah, we, we've kind of moved to the right a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're not on the main, but we're still to the right there, so we're holding on with both hands. Uh, but thanks so much for doing it. We're going to be back to our regular selves next week. With hopefully just, less sweaty. Yeah, hopefully less sweaty. Um, and I guess we'll do some more BEA stuff if anything yeah. catches our eye. And, uh, you know, we'll be back to regular mm-hmm. book stories next week. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for No Let's Gins. 
to sponsoring, and we will uh, talk to you later. Bye.